Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Hello everybody and welcome to Kith and Tell, an ongoing procrastination project among four ostensible adults. We're reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like, this makes me feel uncomfortable, and Hans is wrong. I'm Stu DC in Vancouver, Canada, and I'm <laughs> and I'm joined by the kids in various locations, featuring Kalina McCordoff in London, England. Hello, hello. Hans Seidemann in Prince Rupert, Canada. He's there. He's gone. And Trevor Record in <laughs> Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> we were talking about Tim Allen before the show started. <laughs> Today we'll be reviewing episode 18 of season one, which aired on April 3rd, 1990. Let's kick off with our sketch rundown. Mm. This week we got... Love Me, where a barbecuing dad is bombarded by a leather-jacketed-clad man desperate for his love. <laughs> Stinky Pinky, an exploration in changes in family and casual domestic violence. Premise Beach, a maybe semi-ironic skit about the creative process. Biggest Crouton, a weird long monologue by Bruce as if Bruce had never met another human being before. <laughs> it's, it's not good. Pole Vaulter Tragedy. Which I, I don't even know how to describe this one, man. It's just dumb. <laughs> Premise Beach 2 slash Gay Entertainers. The return of Premise Beach and also apparently when the acid kicked in. <laughs> and Fly on the Face, where Mark gets to be an actor with a real woman. So this was kind of a weird week for me. And I want to just dive in with Worst in the Week. I feel like a lot of the skits on this one were hit and miss. There were a couple good ones and a couple ones that just fell flat. So I'm curious, my dudes... What struck you as the worst of the week? Hans, you want to start us off? Well, so there's a couple here that don't really work for me. Um, I was originally going to say that the cold open Love Me was the worst. It, it, it just, it never really quite came together in the end. And, and they've had a bunch of bad cold opens recently. But then I read my notes and I realized I have to give worst of the week to Pole Vaulter Olympic Tragedy. Because my note for that uh, sketch says, much like the Pole Vaulter, this sketch never quite gets off the ground. Oh. Good line. <laughs> yeah. So you made your decision based solely on wordplay. Based, I, I made my decision on which was the worst based on which one I had the better quip for, which then made it better and worth <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> that, feel, that feels right. I like that. I, I would, Kalina, how are you feeling? You're not Kalina. <laughs> Hello, I'm Kalina. Um, so fly, fly on the <laughs> fly on the face was just was just so so bad. It it, play, it tried to play Boo, on comedic frustration, you're wrong. Boo. but in no no way hits the mark. It was exasperating, but only because I wanted the episode sketch. Not the it made you want to hit the mark. <sighs> yeah, no, I, no, I, I mean, yeah, it, it honestly, I would have, I would have happily turned it off if we didn't have to do this, uh, this podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, it's the same, it's the same thing with the Olympic pole vault. It was again, for some reason, it just reminded me how much they sometimes tried to pander to the American audience because, to mm. me, I thought it'd even be funnier if the premise was that the whole Canadian Olympic team dies and no one cares. <laughs> mm. And again, I mean, in terms of fly on the face, it was another Mark sketch that bombed. Coincidence? Ooh. Oh. 
Trevor? I've, I've got to say the worst sketch. Yeah, it's the pole vaulter one. I'm just looking over the transcript for it now, and it's just a solid wall of text where he's doing this uh, newscaster thing, but there's no jokes in the entire thing. Like, there's no funny lines. No. No. I feel like they're trying to go for that dark, surreal stuff mm. they go for later, that it's like, what if things were weird? But it's just... It's not. There's no punchline. No. no. Um, I think similarly, Stinky Pinky... <laughs> yes, yes doesn't really have a punchline either and it's too bad because that's in the salty ham universe and it's just yeah. for, first of all there's nothing really that funny about it other than you know she's got yes. pink hair and she hits that kid like a lot yeah <laughs> and get and gets permission to just forget about it by her sister <laughs> yeah and it's just like i guess that's fine although i will say scott does kind of shine in that role oh yeah he plays a very like sensible person <laughs> good matronly mom by the the best thing the best thing about that sketch was definitely scott chiming in constantly to try and console the the young child by saying like oh and you like fridays that's when you get to make lemonade and go with your friends <laughs> And like, oh, you like oh. spring. That's when you get to make lemonade and hang out with your friends and run and, and friends. And I and I love it when Mark finally just like makes her shut up and she just is like all you know sad about it and pouty. Ah, oh, so good. I do kind of love that it was also Kevin who looks about thirty-five. <laughs> yes. Just yes. rocking a tank tank top, sitting at a kitchen table. I I do want to. But he's skinny as a ten-year-old boy. Oh, he's so mm. veiny. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't like the cold open though, because it's so clearly a Bob in entry. He's he wants mm. to be loved because he's so rebellious. <laughs> I didn't like it because I feel like Mark stepped on the ending by by kind of changing his character. He started off as this kind of like, oh yeah, this is great. I need some seasoning, and then and then after Bruce leaves, he just kind of goes like, well, I wonder what that was about. And it just kind of broke his, his previously. It was not internally consistent, which I felt ruined it. You know what? That's actually quite a nuanced analogy. Hmm. Didn't think he had it in you. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> mean boy. Thanks, Stu. <laughs> love you too. I'm just saying, you love Helen's. I thought there was something wrong with your brain. Oh. <laughs> Miss, oh, I'm gonna have to edit this so I don't look like I'm, like don't look like such a monster. No, <laughs> leave it in. You are a monster. People should know. I love you, Hans. I'm sorry. I'm such a shit. Uh, yeah. Segment two. Does this hold up? Truth in journalism. <laughs> Usually when we do this topic, like, does this hold up? goes hand in hand with, this makes me uncomfortable. And so I want to have a weirdly specific question to my kids. We've mentioned it already, the fly on my face skit, the long Mark monologue. So I had a really hard time watching this now and thinking of anything else besides internet nice guys, you know? Mm. I'm watching it now. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be the original intention with this scene or if that's just something we're reading into it now that it's so prevalent. Did you guys kind of get that sense or what was your take? Yeah, Stu, I am so excited that you brought this up in this way because I read it exactly the same way as you did. Um, every aspect of it was just like a prototype for the nice guy trope that, that would be right? not even fully fleshed out and developed for another 20 years, really. But um, I, mm -hmm. the, this whole sketch is a meta joke about this woman trying to politely point out a man's very solvable problem <laughs> with himself uh, <laughs> that is the only obstacle to them having a successful and wonderful relationship and him just getting unreasonably upset and petulant <laughs> and refusing 
refusing to consider changing in even the simplest way and then gaslighting her uh, and refusing to do any kind of change. It, it reminds me also of that um, that other sketch they did in the past where it was... I know the one um, you're talking about. It was Dave yeah. and Bruce. Yeah. Where they're like, I would... Ch- uh, what am I supposed to do? Change? I'll never change. Like, you know, and it's like, it's just refusing to consider even the most basic... To, because to change would mean to put in an effort. <laughs> effort, yes. That is... It, it feels like it's in the same universe as that line. And so because of... And because of that connection between those two sketches, like I absolutely think this was the way this sketch was intended. And that's why I'm so surprised that Kalina hated it because to me, like that's so, so ahead of its time and, and just so funny when you, when you interpret it from that angle. Trevor, Kalina, do you guys have any feelings on this one? I, 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 didn't read it that way at all. Fair enough. Um, you know, maybe maybe that's almost like from a woman's perspective, where all I could think about was the fact that he, like, they were kind of, it, it kind of just came back as if the onus was on the woman to just tell him outright. <laughs> and that kind mm. of pissed me off. Uh who doesn't look in the fucking mirror, man? <laughs> anyway, no, the sorry, sorry. I, don't, I, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe because I'm a woman, I just don't, I, I didn't quite get that narrative or I'm not as like sort of tapped into the nice guy trope. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, T-Rex? I mean, I, I don't think I have too much else to add here. I, <laughs> I agree with you. Yes. Everything about this sketch is just him shutting this woman who's trying to tell her. Yeah, I agree. It, that's what it's about. <laughs> it's about nice guys. The, 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 the thing that got me was when, like, she was writing him letters and it looked like even, like, on the fucking envelope, she was like, there's a fly on your face fly right your face. here. Yes, that's the best thing about it is just how hard she tries. There was a part to it, too, like, yeah, the, his complete unwillingness to see any flaws in himself and the monologue that is so self-aggrandizing where he's like... She was intelligent, but like not in an intelligent way, like in a way that shows that she valued intelligence and yeah, she like that she, was on <laughs> that she was turned on by intelligence. And like even that is in the context of like, yeah, I like it that she thinks that I'm cool. Yeah. Or like, I, <laughs> yeah. I think he actually says a thing that is that is expounded by red pill culture where he's like, she doesn't wear she doesn't wear a lot of makeup. You can tell. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Stu, the, the intelligence line really landed for me as well because the intelligence line that, that you mentioned, Stu, really landed for me too because he says she was intelligent, but not in that way where she was really all that intelligent, but that she was turned on by intelligence as she is solving a fucking Rubik's Cube. Like, yes, she is intelligent. Yeah. And, and just the, it's all <laughs> about him and it's all selfish. And I love, I love that they skewered that It's way. also after they've kind of set him up as actually not really being that smart where he's like pointing at a painting. He's like, this one also. <laughs> So it doesn't have apples in it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Also, how he's like, you could tell she wasn't wearing makeup when then she proceeds to say, I never learned how to put on makeup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and just like the fact that you would value that is, oh, it, we, sometimes they, they're just weirdly prescient and it's kind of upsetting. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. True. Let's put a bow on this episode. Let's talk about our standout sketch, worst sketch. And uh, give it Ugh. a rating. I want to give it a rating out of how many apples in a painting. Okay, okay. Kalina, <laughs> you want? Okay, so, I mean, I, I just, I love Premise Beach. I mean, I always love uh, Kevin and Dave as a duo. They always just kind of go, like, go so hard on a really simple character trait. And they, so, comp- they complement each other so yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I love Premise Beach. I, I thought, like... You know, you kind of you're like you kind of forget when it comes up again that it's gonna lead into another sketch, 
And for some reason, like that just like tickled my brain. I liked it a lot, but I do <laughs> have to give best sketch, like a lot of love to the big crouton. It's just this, this idea <laughs> that Bruce as like this sort of like old, you know, backwoods sort of farmer type man is, is sitting on a stoop telling these children who like you at first you're like are they his grandchildren but it very clearly becomes uh known that they are not and he's asking them he's asking them at the end of the of the uh segment whether any of the kids are married (laughs) very bizarre (laughs) but anyway he's just he's just telling us telling them a story about a giant crouton and there's this there's this (laughs) bit at the end where he's sort of like coming to the crux of the story where he's like you know, there there were some some kids out that night. They were they were in the midst of a rango tango devil maker spree, and they happened upon the crouton shack. They broke in. They claimed they were looking for Mother's Day gifts, but I don't believe that because as soon as they saw the crouton, they had their little Swiss Army knives poised and they started hacking away at that beautiful crouton just to garnish their selfish salads. Uh, see. <laughs> There were a couple stinkers in this episode. Like, we already mentioned Stinky Pinky didn't really land, and the the Polar Alter Olympics is just so long and weird and without a punchline. But, like, hmm. I, I kind of hated the crouton Why? skit. Why? It's so, it's, it, it's, it's the, it's the, you know, I think it's because, like, also, I never had seen it before. Oh, it's good. I, this is one of those that, like, don't really come up on YouTube. It's not usually someone's favorite. <laughs> Also, do you guys think that this big crouton Bruce is the Balam head Bruce grown up? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Never moved a, a foot from where he was born. Fr- from the witch? The Balam head Bruce, yeah. I feel like he grew up and learned how to tell better stories, but his stories are still super Lots weird. Lots people have Balam heads. I've seen them. Oh, right, right, right. Well, that was the thing that kind of set me off about the big crouton skit, is it like, it feels kind of like he's doing a character, like when Dave does the shoe salesman character, or when Mark did the preacher character, except it's as if, it, I, it just made me worry about Bruce, because I'm like, Bruce, have you never spoken to another human before? Like, it was like an <laughs> alien had to do a monologue, and he was like, you know what humans love, abnormally large pastries. And just like, I, none of it made any sense. And he was like, you kids married? And I'm like, he's kind of interrogating these children for some reason. <laughs> I love that. I love the weird ones. Just, That's also why I like a Roomba, which is coming up in the next, well, next couple episodes. It was so <laughs> discombobulating. I just remember watching this being like, what is happening? Love it. Hans, what, what was your, what was your best and worst this week? So, um, I, I struggle to understand why you guys love premise speech as much as you do. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it has it has some good qualities to it and everything. But I feel like you guys conflate premise beach with the gay entertainers bit. And I think of them I as don't. two very different. I don't. I like different. it on its own thing. But do you like premise beach one and premise beach two or just premise yeah. beach two? Yes. Yes, premise I speech like, is, I premise like speech for sure. Uh, the premise speech one, I find like it's it's fine, it's okay. You know, it's, it's Scott has a meat hand, and that's nice. But that's <laughs> about it. Um, but premise speech two like works well because it sets up. So premise speech two works because it's got a great fourth wall breaking moment where where they talk about Scott not having that many like where they're like he's such a bad waiter and then and then Kevin I think comes in with like he's such a bad actor he only had two lines and and what and why is he playing it so gay <laughs> and like and and that was that was a really great fourth wall moment that then sets up gay entertainers which is 
one of the better Scott monologues, I think. And Scott's just like dead eye, look at the camera, not even like putting on kind of his buddy yeah. face or anything like that, but his just dead eye, serious, straight look at the camera as he walks forward and just is like delivering this amazing screed about gay entertainers was great. So so for me, gay entertainers is, is really up there. Um, but I think fly on my face uh, or fly on the face wins it for me. Why? And there's for all the reasons I've talked about, but then there's a, another line that I just want to remind you guys of, which was great and just fully nails that that meta joke in this sketch, which is um, uh, when when she's kind of distancing herself from him because he's got a fucking fly on his face. And there's a line where Mark says, I remember thinking, fuck you, <laughs> which is yeah. which is just such a like that's that's totally the instinctual response of every nice guy who thinks that mm-hmm. they're great and it's the girl's problem. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, just I love that sketch for all those reasons. I want to argue with you about premise speech, though, because you like gay entertainers for being meta and fourth wall breaking. But premise speech at its heart is fourth wall breaking mm-hmm. and meta because it's about exactly. it's about Dave Foley being like. Isn't the creative process stupid? Isn't being a writer yeah. stupid? And it's like, <laughs> but that's the kind of fourth wall breaking I don't like. That's the one where it's all oh, like, I, oh, look at how funny we are by breaking the fourth wall. Like the the good fourth wall breaks are within that premise speech sketch, like I mentioned, where they're where they're calling out Scott as he's doing the scene, which is you funny, know, I but. think it's just a matter of taste because I really I really liked it that it was like if it was just mm-hmm. Dave alone, I think it would have been too much because it would have felt more like Dave thinks that trying is stupid. But also, like, they got to use their surf rock jam, and then they have Kevin to balance it out, being like, Kevin looks like he's having a really good time dancing on yeah. the beach. <laughs> I did I did really Premise! like the, the 90s, like, neon coloring <laughs> of all of the Premise Beach band members, and they did look like they were having a very nice time, and I did enjoy that. That is true. A very nice time. All of them look like our friend Bryce Warren's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I I loved premise B and the meat hand is so stupid, but it's also that's the fun, that's the amazing meta of that is they're just kind of like, what if the skit had a dumb punchline? And they're like, what kind of dumb punchline? Like he has a, I don't know, meat hand. <laughs> And then they're like, Scott, go put the meat in your coat. He's like, but it's my favorite coat. Like, put it in the coat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Trevor, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, premise, no, premise speech uh, wins it for me, too. I, as usual, Hans's every instinct is wrong. And, like, premise speech was the perfect way for Dave to just sort of, like, do his thing where he's like, I can't fully commit to these weak ideas I have, but still make them funny by kind of finding a a mechanism through which they're funny. Rather than when, you know, like, when they do, like, a meat hand politician, but then it's, like, a five-minute sketch, and it's just bad, and they just keep digging away at it. Like, it'll just be five seconds, and then we'll have, like, a goofy thing that sandwiches it. And they yell premise and dance. (laughs) Premise! (laughs) Also, like I've had that song stuck in my head all day because I've watched that episode twice. I'm wondering if that was if that was Shadowy Man on a Shadowy Planet too. Oh yeah, good question. What was your worst, Trev? Oh, I wonder. Yeah. Um, Didn't we already talk about the worst earlier? We did. We did. It is pole vaulters for me. Yeah, pole vaulters sucks. It's just long and, and crappy. Well. That's it for episode 18. Let's join us next week for episode 19, which will be hosted by Hans. Thank you for listening to Kith and Tell. Goodbye, everyone. Promise! Bye! Bye. Bye.